I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving, spending time with family and with friends, uh, eating too much, uh, watching football, uh, traveling, relaxing. All of those are good things to do during Thanksgiving. But December is now upon us, uh, ready or not. Uh, this is the time of year when our culture makes a major shift. Um, Andy Stanley, uh, minister in Atlanta, says our culture about this time moves from being thankful for to the mindset, I want more. We go from being thankful to saying that we want to go get a cart full. Uh, this is the time when many people are shopping, uh, decorating their houses, going out and buying Christmas trees, preparing Christmas cards to send out, putting up lights, all the things that come with the Christmas season. And this year it happened quickly. We had Thanksgiving on Thursday and we turn around and here we are, uh, the first Sunday of Advent. In the church, this is the season that we call Advent and Advent is a time of preparation where we are preparing our hearts for the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, next Sunday, we'll have Walk Through Bethlehem. It's still not too late to be a part of that, but that's only one week away. And this week, we'll work just about every day to build the village of Bethlehem so we can welcome thousands of people to Woodmont next Sunday. But this is the season where we wait with great anticipation to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, being born again into our hearts to change us and to not leave us the same. I love Christmas. I don't love Christmas quite as much as my father. He started listening to music two months ago. He told you that last week. But I love Christmas, and I love it for both spiritual and secular reasons. I love the energy that's present during the month of December. I love the decorations that go up in people's homes and around the community and, and in the church. I love the Christmas music that you hear playing on the radio I love the special events and worship services and concerts that happen during the season of Advent. Uh, Woodmont has earned a reputation over the years. Some people call us Woodmont Christmas Church because we have so much going on during the Advent season uh, that we've earned that name over the decades. I like watching movies like It's a Wonderful Life and Christmas Story and Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Cousin Eddie, still the best movie character of all time. I love Christmas parties that bring people together. I love the cards that go out from family and friends from all over the country. I actually like to shop during this season to find the perfect gift for my wife and my children and my friends. I love to read and reread the Christmas stories in Matthew and Luke to hear those wonderful words about the birth of Christ. I love the smiles on people's faces and the twinkle in children's eyes as they ask over and over again, Mommy, Daddy, when will Christmas be here? This is a magical time of the year, but it's not necessarily an easy time of the year for many people. Christmas time can also be hard because it reminds us of the way life used to be when the children were growing up or when our spouse was still alive. 
I think about my mom a lot during Christmas. She was a, a wonderful lady, full of life and energy. And I remember growing up in Memphis, and she would always work hard to make sure that we had a wonderful Christmas. She was fun. She had so many friends, and she loved to have parties and to entertain. But she suffered from depression. And as she got older, it got worse. And she ultimately gave up on life, and we lost her 14 years ago. I think about my mom a lot during Christmas because at the end of her life, she needed the hope of Christ, but for some reason she couldn't find it. And she missed out on so much because she couldn't find a reason to keep going. She missed out on grandchildren, in fact, one being born right now as we speak. But I'm reminded that there are many people every year who enter the Christmas season this way, looking for hope, longing for hope, searching for hope. And so we need these beautiful words of the prophet Isaiah who foretells the birth of Christ when he says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What is hope to you, and how would you say that you find it during Christmas? How can the birth of Jesus Christ continue to bring hope into a world that often seems full of darkness and full of pain and full of despair? Christian hope is what gives us the courage to go on even when terrible things happen, when we lose a loved one, when we get divorced, when a family member is diagnosed with cancer, when depression comes back, when a miscarriage happens, when a friend betrays us. In these situations, we need the power of hope. One of my Professors from Princeton said this about hope. He said, Christian hope does not close our eyes to the suffering of the world. Quite the opposite. Christians believe that God cherishes the world, has created and redeemed the world, and wills it to have abiding communion with him. So if we hope in the fulfilled life after death, then we cannot and should not be indifferent to suffering life before death. Or as Jürgen Moltmann once said, those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with the reality as it is, but begin to suffer under it and to contradict it. We simply cannot accept certain things in this world as they are, because it's not the way that God wants them to be. Poverty and racism and war and hatred and violence these are the things that we are called to address in order to bring hope to others who are suffering and who are hurting. Today on this first Sunday of Advent, I want to talk about four areas where I think we all need hope in our lives. The first is that we need hope in the face of our pain and suffering. We all know that we cannot go through life without pain and suffering. But there are times in life when we feel like we can't push forward. But getting up and getting through these difficult times with the help of others 
is what makes us who we are. It's what forms our character. Paul says in Romans, we boast in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope, he says, does not and cannot disappoint. Or in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, we're afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. We all have scars left over from where we have suffered, from where we have been hurt. But every time we have suffered, it's made us stronger and it's given us more empathy to help other people in their struggles, in their suffering. I have a close friend in, in this church. Many of you know her. She's in her final days of, of battling cancer and she's been brave and she's fought and she's defied the odds. But more importantly than that, she has used her suffering and her struggle to inspire and challenge others to think deeply about their own lives and what's most important, to know their priorities and to live their priorities. Because so many times we lose focus on what matters and we need to be reminded that it's our faith and it's our family and it's our friendships that are going to be here forever. That's what matters. And we shouldn't live life taking tomorrow or next week for granted because we're not promised that. She's reminded me to live every single day that you have and don't lose faith because faith and hope go together. You can't have one without the other. And we should never expect to live a life that is free of suffering. It's just not possible. Sometimes there are funerals that take place during the Christmas season. But when we lose those that we love to this life, we must always remember that Christ brings us hope for eternal life. And we have faith that even death itself is not the end to our existence. And so we sing those wonderful carols and sometimes we don't pay attention to the words, mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. We sing with excitement and joy, good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now we need not fear the grave, Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to gain the everlasting hall. Christ was born to save, Christ was born to save. You see, while many people may see a hopeless end, as people of faith, we are called to see an endless hope. Secondly, we need hope when it comes to our families. What does that mean? It means that there's a lot of pain and brokenness in our families, and the holiday season often has a way of bringing that out. Unsettled conflicts and disputes, tension, Divorces that still make life difficult and complicated. Family members who have offended us or hurt us with their words and actions. Marriages that are dying and need rekindling. Illnesses that cause suffering. Sometimes the hope that we are looking for and longing for first needs to start at home in our families. And Christmas can be a time to do that, to forgive, to forget, to heal, and to rekindle to move on and to start a new chapter. 
There's a story told about a young mother of two children who got the news just a couple days before Christmas that her husband had been killed in a car accident. And after that happened, somebody said, how can we celebrate Christmas in the aftermath of this terrible news? And the mother quickly said, said, no, don't turn out the lights. Don't undecorate the tree because Christmas was made for such a time as this. It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Christ was born for times like this. And maybe everything is great in your family, but chances are there's some brokenness there. There's some hurt there. There's some pain there. And so we need to remember that Christmas time can be a new beginning, a fresh start, a time to forgive. And if you can't do it at Christmas, then when can you do it? Third, we need hope when it comes to our politics. And that's not geared at one party or one president or one candidate that's running. It's a statement about the entire system. Whether we realize it or not, the digital age has ushered in this era of politics that's now become a blood sport. It's all about the sound bites. It's all about the one-liners. It's all about defending our party or our candidate at all costs. Gone are the days of compromise and civility and nonpartisanship. And some people will even say, if you don't agree with my politics, then you are evil. How did it get that way? This week I was reading Parker Palmer's great book called Healing the Heart of Democracy. And drawing on the words of Abraham Lincoln, he says, if American democracy fails... The ultimate cause will not be a foreign invasion or the power of big money or the greed and dishonesty of some elected officials or a military coup or the international communist, socialist, fascist takeover that keeps some Americans awake at night. It will happen because we, you and I, became so fearful of each other, of our differences, and of the future that, that we unravel the civic community on which democracy depends, losing our power to resist all that threatens it and call it back to its highest forms. And he wrote those words back in 2011. A government that is of the people and by the people and for the people is always at risk if we let our divisions and our fear and our hatred rule the day. And politics now causes more rifts in families and in friendships than it ever has before. I'm sure there were some awkward Thanksgiving conversations this week, perhaps in your house. But we need more than ever civility and listening and mutual respect. What we don't need is more echo chambers and more anger. Parker Palmer says the democratic experiment is endless unless we blow up the lab and the explosives to do the job are found within us. But guess what? So is the alchemy that can turn suffering into community. We have that in our hearts. Which brings me to my final point this morning. We need hope that starts right here in our hearts. If we don't have hope in our hearts, then we can't go and spread it to other people. If we don't believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today, then we can't live it. Now that might sound like I'm stating the obvious, and perhaps I am, but I mean it. 
Hope starts right here. And then it spreads. Isaiah wrote so beautifully, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The birth of Jesus Christ and everything that he represents is what our world needs most. He is the light. He is the truth. In a world of hate and division, he teaches us to love. In a world of war and hostility, he teaches us about peace. In a world of revenge and getting even, he teaches us about forgiveness. In a world of greed and selfishness, he teaches us to share what we have, especially with those that are suffering. In a world of anger and resentment, he teaches us to turn the other cheek. Jesus Christ is the remedy to so many of our world's problems. But that hope that he brings first has to start in our hearts. If the kingdom of God does not start within our hearts, then it never starts at all. Frederick Watts was a very popular 19th century Victorian painter, and he once painted a famous picture that's now in London at the Tate Gallery, and it's called Hope. And you know what that picture shows? It pictures a beautiful woman seated upon a globe, and she's blindfolded, and in her hand she holds a lute, and all the strings are broken but one, but still she plays that one string, triumphant over all the world's sin and pain and despair. And that's what hope is. It gives you a feeling of inner peace and security and joy, no matter what might be going on in your life. Or as Emily Dickinson once described it, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Advent is about the coming of Christ into the world. And he is and he will always be the hope of the world. And it's on that hope that our Christian faith is founded and sustained. And Christmas reminds us that God is real and God is here. And there's nothing in life or in death that can separate us from Almighty God. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Experience the hope of Christmas this season, and it'll change you. It won't leave you the same. Amen.